Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. You are listening to the Tableau Podcast. <laughs> Welcome back to the Tableau Podcast. This is your host, Tableau. And this is the podcast where we talk about everything. Everything in the world that may or may not matter. But somehow at the end, it all does matter. Which is, I don't know how it happens. Okay, I don't know. It's, it's magic. It's a, it's a… Magic? Yeah. Magic. Like magic. Johnson? <laughs> Alright guys. Uh, if you're watching on video, you can see that I'm… For the first time, you can see my shoes on this podcast. You have legs. Okay, and I'm wearing uh, some Jordan 1s. Uh, recently, I actually sold a lot of my Jordans. So I used to have like this collection of uh, Air Jordans. And just a lot of shoes and like sneakers in general. You were a sneakerhead. Uh, yeah, I guess not really a sneakerhead. But I just, you know, I liked sneakers. Because I'm not into cars. Um… I, I, I don't know how to drive. I don't have a license. Um, and cars are just significantly more expensive. Right? So I decided to collect sneakers because in a way they're like little cars. Right? They all have their unique designs. Um, and they get you from point A to point B. So I had a lot of sneakers. Especially Jordans. I, but recently I sold a lot of them off. Because I, I just… Wasn't wearing them. You know like… You, you only have two feet. Right? And yeah. you only have a number of occasions to go to. And you can't be wearing sneakers all the time. So I'm like… You know these are just taking up space in my house. And I kind of regret it. Because recently… The Michael Jordan documentary dropped. Mm. And I've been watching the hell out of this thing. Uh, with two cuts actually. Uh, so it's become a ritual where we would go to the studio. And before we start working, um, we'll watch like one episode. And it totally pumps us up. We're like, we're gonna win! This next album is gonna, gonna be gonna, like party rock. We're anthem. gonna do it! And then we get into the studio, we work. And then we wrap it off with one more episode. After like a four hour like recording session. Yeah. Right? And I, I totally recommend um, this, this documentary. It's a 10 part series that's airing on ESPN. I think they have the first couple episodes on Korean Netflix right now. Uh, I don't know about the Netflix situation in the US. Um, is it on Disney Plus? I don't know. I don't know because ESPN is owned by Disney. So I would imagine they would… Yeah, I'm pretty sure ESPN content is on Disney+. Plus. Yeah. I've somehow um, seen up to episode 8. And let me just tell you. Um, I'm not a fan. I'm not a huge fan of sports. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't have a team that I root for. 
like a my my home team. Um, there's not a sport that I watch religiously. I like a little bit of soccer sometimes. I like a little bit of basketball sometimes. Um, I used to like tennis, but I'm not one of those like sports fans really. Uh, but I am a fan of greatness. I am extremely interested in greatness and also uh, the sheer drama of just watching people overcome things and overcome their limits. Hmm. And if there's anyone that did that, it's definitely Michael Jordan. Um, some of you are listening right now and we're, you're like, oh, I have a pair of Air Jordans. I like those shoes. I want to get the 11 breads. Um, and maybe you don't know anything about Michael Jordan as as the player. Yeah. But uh, for people uh, in my age group, uh, I don't think there's a single one of us that didn't grow up watching Michael Jordan play. And just his team, the Chicago Bulls, just an amazing, eclectic group of people. Yeah. Right? Uh, for their final like three championship seasons, they had Jordan, who's the clear leader, uh, the you know just a clear goat, um, just amazing at what he does, uh, relentless in his pursuit of victory, and then you have Scottie Pippen, who's also an exceptional player, just amazing overall. Um, if Jordan didn't exist, Pippen would probably be the GOAT. Yeah. And the two of them were together, right? So he's he's the perfect um, support. And then you have Dennis Rodman, mm. who's the clear, like, character, right? Just… Personality. Everyone's saying he's crazy. You know, he's got the hair. He's got the tats. Um, he's got the uh, extracurricular activities. But uh, just unbelievable at rebounding. Um, a very physical player that does all the uh, physically hard work so that um, Pippen and Jordan can deliver, right? And you just see the three of them together. And it's like… Like Scottie P Pippen is very soft-spoken. Um, very calm even, right? And not really animated. Dennis Rodman is just basically just walked out of an animation, right? <laughs> like you couldn't… This guy was a dude from 2020 living in the 90s. Mm. And it's just, it's just amazing that someone could be themselves that much in, in that time, right? And then you have Jordan who's like… You just look at him and he just looks like victory. And the three of them together, it, it's it's just it's just like it's like the best hip hop group or like the best like you know it's like the Avengers almost. Is right? Two Cuts Dennis Rodman? No, no, no. Are you Dennis Rodman? No, we are not the Bulls. <laughs> um, bullshit, maybe. You're the Harlem Sadly. Shakers or whatever they're called. No, oh, Globetrotters. <laughs> Harlem Shakers. <laughs> All right. So um, 
And you, as I was saying, I am a fan of greatness. And watching this documentary, um, if if you're into sports or basketball or the Bulls in that era, um, it's entertaining first of all because you get all the behind stories of their championships. And and let me first tell you what the documentary is about. So it's called The Last Dance. And it's about the very last season of the Bulls. 97. With, with this era. Yeah, 97, 98 Bulls. Yes. And uh, the drama surrounding that season um, is that even though… So, so they, up, to, up to this point, they had won five championships in like… Five cha- championships in like seven years or something. Like, okay, almost Six, back seven to years. back. Yeah, like so… In in basketball at the time, it's literally impossible to get a three-peat. Where you get three championships in a row, right? Um, getting two makes you legendary. And the Bulls had already done one three-peat. And they were on their way to do another. Right? So this this team is already the greatest team in the history of not only basketball, but maybe in sports. Mm. And it's the last season and there is a whole like thing with the… Uh, so the executive branch of, of the Bulls, like the ownership. Yeah. Um, some people wanted to… Well, they were saying these guys are aging. Uh, we need to bring on young, fresh talent to replace them. And making this very open. And, you know, they were saying this to the media. So… Everyone's asking Jordan and Pippen, like, are you guys retiring? Is this the last season? That's why it became the last dance. Uh-huh. Also, also, uh, I forgot to mention, like, there's a lot. So I'm, like, going to be all over the place. But um, one of the most important characters in this Bulls story is uh, Phil Jackson, who's the coach. Yeah. And he's an exceptional coach. Very smart, very intelligent, uh, very innovative. And they had, he had some drama with the ownership as well. And he was sort of like booted out. And then they had to bring him back because Jordan wouldn't play unless he was coaching. And they made him sign a deal where like he would only be able to coach for one more season. And then he's out. Oh. And hence it became the last dance. Love stakes. It became the last dance. Right? Yeah. And so you have this drama between the ownership and the players. Where the ownership is like… The t- you know the the organization wins championships, not the team. And Jordan is like, no, the players win it. None of you guys took a three or slam dunked. Uh, the players are the ones on the floor are the ones doing it, and they were both voicing this very publicly. Um, and also, are they going to be able to do another three peat? Because Michael Jordan was getting older. Um, and it's just never been done, right? So that's that's the basic setup. And this documentary delves into other um, big stories within that era. Um, and let me just tell you, like, there's something about great, like, superstars. And the fact that they can't escape drama. And I don't mean drama in like only the negative way. Um, like, like there's always something crazy happening. E- no, but everything they do 
happens in the most dramatic way oh, possible. Yeah. Where it's like it's like Shakespearean almost. So Jordan, um, I think entered the NBA in the 84. I'm not sure. Okay. I, I, like I said, I'm not a sports fan. So I, I'm not going to be good with the stats. So if you're a huge sports fan, you're like, no, it was, nine, it was like 95, 96. Shut up. You don't know anything. Please stop listening because <laughs> I'm not going to be accurate with the stats. But yeah. I think it was like 84. He entered um, the league and people didn't know if he was going to, you know, he wasn't the first draft pick. Uh, but he came in and he he was immediately started killing it. But didn't win his first championship until like the early 90s. So people think like Jordan was like killing it from the beginning. Like winning. Yeah. Like, you know being a champion from the beginning. No. It took him a long time. Anyways. After his first three-peat in the early 90s. He actually retired. Because um, after winning… The first three-peat. Uh, Did he his, play baseball? Yeah. Well, his father got murdered. Yeah. Right? Um, and he had this incredible relationship with his father. Um, and he just got murdered in this very senseless incident. Right? And also, the media was all over Michael Jordan about his gambling habits. Uh, which Michael Jordan… Just says is his hobby. And you kind of get it, right? You're like, you know, you want to… Like Jordan used to be this image of like… Like the perfect role model for children. Yeah. That's why it became such a huge issue, right? Yeah. But just think about it. This guy is in a sport playing at a level where like… He's winning. He has to win at all costs. If you have that kind of personality where you can actually pull it off, um, you would think that your hobby would become gambling. Yeah. In a way, right? Because the rush yeah, of you just need, like win, win. You win. need those stakes. Yeah. Right? I'm not I'm not in any way justifying. But you can understand gambling. how that happened. But from from the facts, um, it it doesn't look like he did like illegal gambling. I don't know. Anyways, um, Gambling is not good, guys. Don't gamble. <laughs> yes. Uh, anyways, uh, so he retires, plays baseball, like minor league baseball. Space Jam. At which he was getting good at. Baseball, at the time, the MLB has their strike. So he can't play. And then he goes back to the Bulls after almost two years. Returns and then gets a, another three-peat. Right? That's like wasn't even playing the game for a couple yeah. of years. And um one championship, uh, I think he was playing against I can't remember the team he was was it Charlotte or Orlando? I don't know. Um so he, so in the playoffs, you have to win like four, right? You play against each other like as many games as out of seven. Yeah, out of six That's or seven. That's out of up to seven, yeah. Is it? Okay. <laughs> I told you I'm not a fan of sports. But anyways. <laughs> The Bulls win the first three games. So they're sweeping. Mm. Right? And then… Uh, oh okay. They were playing… Okay. So they had… Uh, I think they, they were playing the game… The team with Gary Payton. Hold on. Let me figure this out so, so I don't For get… For people who are not familiar with American basketball… Basically you have what is called playoffs and the finals. 
Mm-hmm. And in the finals, the last two teams basically winning for first, like, you know, first place or whatever. Uh, they do it best out of seven. So if you win f- four games, you win, basically. Um, like majority out of seven. Okay. So the Bulls were playing the Seattle Supersonics. Okay, And this is what I'm talking about. Superstars. Somehow attracting drama and also doing things in the most dramatic way, whether it is it is an L or a win, right? They will do it in the most dramatic way possible. And it's not even like they're intending it. This is what makes them a superstar, I think. Uh, so they're playing the super- Supersonics. The Bulls win three. They just have to win one more. All of a sudden, they start losing and the S- Supersonics start catching up. So the Supersonics win the next two games. So it's 3-2 now, right? Yeah. When everyone expected the Bulls to sweep. The next game, Jordan comes back and just completely dominates. Like he just plays at a level that is just not human really. Like clearly has something to prove. Yeah. And then they win and it's Father's Day. Oh, the shivers. The goosebumps. And Jordan is crying. He's like… There's an iconic picture of him with the basketball. He's just crying. And he's like on the ground uh, in the dressing room. And he's just crying. Because this is the first win that his father has not seen. Mm. But it happens on Father's Day. And there were rumors that maybe he deliberately lost the two games to Supersonics. After winning the first three to keep it a little more secure. So that he could win on Father's Day. Uh, right? For his dad. Yeah. You know, there were rumors. Because… He's it, so good. He, he can no, just control the game like it's that. It's so unbelievable that yeah. things can happen that way. Yeah. Right? And this was the whole excitement about Michael Jordan. Like if… There are people that that are like… You know… LeBron's the GOAT. Like… What's this whole thing about Michael Jordan? Like… You know, he's just a good player. Like… But… What is the big deal about it? You know, it's just sports or whatever. Um, Well, here's the big deal about sports. It it is a very good window into seeing um, like… Into seeing something that comes close to like an opera or like Shakespearean drama, right? Be a tragedy or… Or comedy. Um, Because you have… You have… You have people competing for for a very specific and concrete result. Right? And the thing is the Bulls and Michael Jordan delivered drama in a way that wasn't so common in sports. You know, you have certain players with great life stories, great come-ups, um, uh, great downfalls and returns. But the way Michael Jordan did it, like ev- literally every game he played, you were watching and you were like… Th- there was some drama um, in every single shot, every single game. Like for example… The way he would win a lot of these games was through buzzer beaters. Where like oh, you literally like, have… at the last yeah, second. Like at, when it hits zero. 
right? And if you go on YouTube and you you go like you search uh, Michael Jordan buzzer beaters, there are just so many of them in crucial games that it's like, you know, it's one thing to be so good that you just don't lose, but to win or to upset or to come back at the last moment, mm. it's not even something you can plan. Yeah, but it just means that this guy was relentless in his pursuit of victory in a way where even down to the last couple seconds, he wouldn't give up, right? And that's probably why he has all these buzzer beaters. It's not like he waited so that he can, you know… He used every second as an opportunity. And by doing this, anyone that was there watching it or watching it on TV, he delivered for sports fans an ungodly amount of drama. Which is and and story and um, you know just just human perseverance, right? Yeah, he showed this, right? And and that that's that's what I'm getting from watching on uh, this this documentary. Like, are there things in there? Even if you you're not gonna play basketball or you're not a fan of basketball, are there things in there that you can learn from it? Yes, there, there are many things you can learn from this documentary. And before I go into it any further, um, there is a huge debate about whether or not Michael Jordan is a good human being. Huh. Right? Yeah. Um, A lot of people will say, you know, Michael Jordan is a shitty person. But I won't deny that he's an exceptional, one hell of a player. Mm. Right? One hell of an athlete. And um, here's the thing. Like, first of all, I, I… I don't think uh, whether or not he was a good person should… I don't think it needs to be like the same conversation. I think it needs to be two different conversations, first of all. And secondly, if you watch… Not even if you watch this documentary, but like just think like with general common sense, right? This guy is first of all leading… Possibly the greatest team in sports history, right? Uh, meaning that he didn't just jump into a team that was already killing it. He literally led a team that wasn't winning to the point where they were the greatest team in history, right? Um, and to win and to play and win at that level constantly. It really can't be done by just being a nice guy. You know? I'm not, I'm not saying that that's the only way to lead. But yeah. um, it's really hard to be generally liked and loved. You have to have certain priorities. Yeah. And um, it, it's hard to be loved and deliver for, for your team at the same time. And I know this from… I'm not saying this is right. Yeah. But his objective and also the objective in sports is to win. At all costs. As long as it's not like you're hurting someone. I'm not in any way like advocating being an asshole for results. You know? I'm I'm not saying… Uh, anyone should do that. But um, 
just speaking from like personal experience, uh, sometimes you have to be, even though you're aware uh, that you you don't want to be. And because I have a team as well, right? And I've led this team for how many years? We first met in 2001. We became a team in 2002. Um, it's been 18 years, right? And uh, the first few years of Epic High, we struggled, as I've mentioned, right? We, we just were not doing well. And I had to, I had to literally like take this team and take it into another stratosphere. And what was harder, it was very hard getting there, but it was also just way harder keeping it there. And after, you know, 17, 18 years, um, the last two albums we released, we were number one, two, three on the charts, right? So we just totally, you know, took up the first three spots. And that's been with our eighth album and our ninth album. And now we are working on a new, new one, right? And it's rare for that to happen at some, with someone at that, you know, 17 years in, like 15, 16 years in, it's not easy. And to do that, we first of all have to create an, a, a great album. And let me just tell you, it's not easy. And my team is not made up of the three same, same personalities. We have our lazy one. Um, where sometimes I literally have to like drag this person into the booth and uh, I have to sometimes I like, love how you're trying to not say name but there's only one other member who would have to go into the booth well <laughs> <laughs> why? okay okay well let me yeah, let me good. let me first lay it out <laughs> you know we have the lazy one that sometimes will not show up for like six months Okay. Where we have to hunt this guy down. Yeah. Okay. We have… He's in hibernation. We have the… Uh, we have the uh, angry one. Um, who's just… Who gets pissed off a lot. Yeah. Right? And… Um, loses focus about what we have to do. Because he's… He's… Angry about something in the present. Oh, like he doesn't, he can't yeah, do I'm not, like. I'm not naming any names here. Okay, this is really hard. It Dennis might be, Rodman. You know, it might be much easier for Jordan because, you know, they at least have 11 people. <laughs> but like, you know, for me, it's just three of us. And I'm not saying I'm Jordan in any way. Yeah. But I'm saying I, in my role in the team is to lead. Yeah. You know, and this role was both given to me and taken by me. Right? Meaning, um, from the onset of our, like from the beginning of our team, like from the origin, um, the two members wanted me to lead. And secondly, um, I quickly proved to them that I am obviously the leader. Like I am the one to lead. Um, and, and that's, and the reason why 
the three of us are that way is because we're all humans and we're all different and we all have a different set of goals, right? Like for the lazy one, it's not that he's objectively lazy. You know, he might not be lazy in certain things that he loves to do, but maybe he's in music for a different reason than me, right? Maybe there are other values. Um, and for the angry one, you know, he might have his own. That's why I'm, what I'm saying is from my perspective, they might be lazy and or angry or whatever. Yeah. Right. But from their perspective. Yeah. You're an asshole. Just yeah. Kidding. <laughs> they, they, I guarantee you they've thought that or they still think that many, many times. They're like, this guy is like, you know, this guy's not my parent. This guy's mm. not, you know, this guy's not my teacher. Yeah. Like, and, or, or it's just, it's just really difficult being in a, in a, like being in a team with him because he's just, he just won't stop. Like he, he's relentless. Yes. And, and they m- might be right, right? Like I might be an asshole. Um, and, well, at least within the team, right? And here, here's the thing. Like, I know what my objectives are for the team. And I've, and I've done it long enough to see exactly what results my, my uh, pursuit of victory yeah. yields for them as well. Like, I've seen what it does for them. And also their families, um, how it changes things. Of course, like success and money doesn't make everything okay, but not having any of it makes it makes truly it pointless. Harder, <laughs> makes it harder. Yeah. And um, and the the reason why we came together was to make uh, great music, and the reason. Okay, so I, I've never worked on something or put out an album where I was like, we have to destroy the charts, right? My objective has always been the same. We have to create the best album that we can create. And we have to stop and release it at the moment we feel like we can no longer, you know, do anything better. Like, and the reason why I think that way is because I grew up as a fan of music, right? And I want, I was so happy when the musicians that I was into delivered an album or a song that I felt like was the best thing they could give me, you know? And it changed my life. It, it helped me when I was down. And I just want to do the same thing for my fans. I don't want, I don't ever want someone that is a fan of my music to, um, to get something that's half-assed. There are times where that has happened. And I feel so bad about it that like… You know we had one, this one album called 99. That came out. And uh, it was very different from what people expected. And a lot of people hated it. Um, for like four days. I, I didn't come out of my bedroom. Three or four days. And I was literally crying. Not because I don't even know how it was doing on the charts. 
I heard it did pretty well. Like one of the songs hit number one regardless. But I was in my room for three, four days crying because I felt like I had somehow let my fans down and also my team down. Mm. I felt like I didn't deliver. Uh, and incidentally, like this was the first album I made right after my dad passed away. So mm. my so mentally, I was just I was kind of confused. Uh, anyways, when when that happened, like it crushes me that I didn't do the best I possibly could do, and that's what I that's that's why it's really hard for like I I feel sorry for my members sometimes because. Literally, like, for example, Mithra will do a rap and it'll be good. But to me, it could be better. And I will make him rework it and rework it, re-record, um, change a certain word um, until I feel like it is the best that he, he can do. And... I know that he he can't you know he he can't stand it mm-hmm. sometimes. Like I've made him record a single f- like word 108 times over and over again. Mm. Until because I I felt like it wasn't coming through. Mm. You know? And or even with like a like a like a single line I'm like I know I I see what you're trying to say, but I don't think you're saying it yet. I think it needs to. I think you need to rework this. And both to two cuts and Mithra, both of them are like, does it really matter this much? Like, the thing that this guy is like fighting for is like maybe one or two percent of of a difference. Yeah. It's like going from for a, like one second of a song. Yeah, it's it's from like ninety eight to a hundred, maybe. You know, it's not like going from an F to an A. Um. But I, I, that's just my personality. Like I refuse to. Uh, I refuse to. Knowingly. Do something, that is not the best. I can do. Especially if you know you could. Yeah. And as long as I know it, it it will uh it will haunt me. Right? That word. And the problem is that your team, the others on your team don't feel the same way. Like for example, Mithra and Two Cuts might be perfectly fine with uh putting out something that you know they know could be better, but because of you know time constraints or like just because they get tired, uh, they put it out and they might be completely okay with it as long as it does fine, right? Uh, and I, and that's not wrong, but it's also not wrong for me to just try to deliver the best experience possible for for the people that are you know giving up their time and money, mm. right? For. Uh, and that's been our constant like thing for like 17, 18 years. And and I don't know what's right. Anyways, I'm watching this documentary with two cuts. Right? So I 
he's watching it and um there's a there's a portion in the documentary where they talk about whether or not uh Jordan was a good person like to his teammates right whether or not he was just like for for his like in his pursuit of victory like whether or not like he was humane mm. in doing it like his his teammates of the time were yeah, talking about it yeah because he was really it. hard on his teammates were like he would punch them in the face. Okay. <laughs> okay, which is pretty, you know. Yeah. Well, of course, he got pushed first. Oh, okay. But um, for like what he was saying. Yeah, to but them. he was really hard on his teammates, especially when they were down, when they had lost the first, like, the previous season. He would come back and in training, be really hard on his teammates to get them up to the level. But then he and then they would win the championship. Um, so he always delivered. Uh, well, he always made his team deliver, but to get there, you know, he probably pissed off a lot of people. Yeah. And um, we're watching this together, and I, and I can totally feel that too, because he's like, <laughs> he's burning like, holes into your. Well, skull. <laughs> he's like recognizing uh, a little bit of us, mm. right, and our dynamics, right. And I'm watching this thing, and I'm like, and. You know, I, I don't disagree with a lot of people who don't like Jordan as a human being because, like, you know, he's kind of petty. You know, he has, he, when he was inducted into the Hall of Fame, like, he was using his speech to settle old scores. Okay. <laughs> so he's pretty petty, right? Uh, I'm not like that at all, but, um, but like, just hell bent on winning for him. For me, it's, I'm hell bent on, Delivering. Uh, yeah. And it's not even about quality. Yeah. It's not even about objective quality. I have never been hell-bent on trying to… Uh, trying to like beat others. Or to deliver something at a caliber that is like competing with others. Mm -hmm. I don't really care about the competition. It's really about am I delivering the best I can deliver at this moment in time in my life. Right? If I just put in two more hours tonight, I know that this verse or this melody or this beat will become a little better. Am I going to go home? No. Like I will put in the two hours or maybe three to get it to that level. And even if I fail, like even if it doesn't happen. Um, and, and, and we're watching this together, which is possibly good for the team because… I think I think um I'm watching and I'm like realizing things and I'm also realizing how they might feel and they're watching it realizing how I might feel you know so everyone makes a certain amount of sacrifice right to and that's what a team is and that's sort of like what I think this documentary, like why I think this documentary is important to watch, even if you're not into Jordan or basketball, even if you don't like the guy, uh, because it is clear that he is a goat. Um, for those who don't know what that greatest for. of all time, mm -hmm. um, there's just no way to deny it, you know, because the goats are on this documentary saying that he's the goat. Yeah. Like Magic Johnson, uh, Charles Barkley, Patrick Ewing, Obama, even Obama's on there. <laughs> He's the goat. Anyways, <laughs> um, everyone, like everyone that is considered a goat, 
is saying there are goats and then there's Michael Jordan. Yeah. Right? So if you don't take their word for it, I mean, like, whose word do you take? I mean, his shoes are going to live on far beyond. Oh, yeah, let me get to the shoes too. Who like, he is as a person, even. Like, if you don't know who Jordan is as a person, you'll definitely, definitely know, know the, the shoes. And, you know, Nike wasn't a big company at the time, which is why Michael Jordan was able to get that endorsement deal, right? And the great, uh, the great thing that his agent did, his agent was really innovative, this guy named Falk. Um, so at the time, shoe endorsements were usually for tennis players. Like nobody even fathomed uh, that basketball could have a lifestyle brand, right? That a basketball player, that an NBA player could, uh, could carry a line yeah. the way we know now, right? Because tennis is like bougie. Well, uh, because basketball is a team sport and yeah. tennis is an individual sport where like the camera is focused on the guy. Yeah. Um, but anyways, this agent, uh, this sports agent who, who was Michael Jordan's agent uh, was very innovative where he took that same template and convinced uh, Nike that they should uh, give Jordan his own lifestyle brand line. He also came up with the, the name Air Jordan, right? And uh, also to give royalties on every shoe sold. Which, to, to, to Jordan. Yeah, which was not done at the time. Usually players would get one flat endorsement fee. But this agent convinced Nike, which wasn't a big company, right? To give him um, royalties. royalties for every shoe sold. Wow. And he was able to do this because Nike was not a big company. Right? And Nike needed to you know, take some risks. And they, he also needed to convince Jordan to go with Nike because Michael Jordan wanted to go with Adidas. Because, you know, there were other shoe companies. Like Converse and Adidas were way bigger than Nike. Yeah. Uh, we all know how that turned out. You know, Jordans are still generating like billions of revenues in 2020. Nike and basketball are like forever intertwined. Yeah. And the gamble paid off because Nike's whole thing is just do it. Yeah. And that's literally what Michael Jordan was capable of doing. Like… The, the some it's it seems almost magical when you watch the documentary. Like this guy was able to decide whether or not he would win and actually do it. Mm. Like he'd be losing, and then something would happen, and he'd be like, "Okay, I'm gonna win this game." And as and the second he decided that, he would actually start winning and win. Yeah, which is. Which is incredible, it's like right? Mindset. Yeah, it's 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 amazing, and it's just it goes so well with the Nike "Just Do It" slogan, right? So, were the Jordans when they came out the first time? Were they like immediately popular? Yeah. Nike like had, sold out everywhere. Nike had a clause in their contract to protect themselves. Um, yeah, we'll give you royalties, but if you don't sell a certain amount of shoes in three years, then we can pull out of the deal. The Jordans exceeded that number in the first two months. Wow. Like by like two, three folds. So uh, it basically put Nike on the map. Um, and also like shifted uh, what we consider 
like, you know, like what we so like lifestyle sports. What am I trying to say? You know, you know. What I, I mean? get like, what you're trying to say. It shifted to the NBA. Yeah. Right. Where like people the NBA basketball and like its players were now trendsetters in a way. Yes. Yes. And this is reflected in in how like. It worked really well with hip hop as well, right? Where yeah. like the jerseys and the baseball caps, um, like basketball shoes, uh, it just worked out perfectly, right? Because um, everyone wanted to be like Mike. Uh, anyways, after watching like these episodes, like as a, as a as a human being, I, I am nothing like. Um, Michael Jordan, right? So when that whole like "Be Like Mike" slogan happened, and it's it's mentioned in the documentary, yeah. right? I realized that like I never quite wanted to be like Mike, right? Because there are values that he has that are very different from mine. Um, for example, like okay, everything that defines this guy is competition. Like he's got to be number one. He number one loves competition and loves winning. At all costs. And um, I've just not never been into com- competing. Like ever. Yeah. Um, just don't care. Which is hard for certain people to understand. Or get about me. Uh, because… And, and they, they uh, misunderstand me a lot. And… Because the results they see… Uh, and they focus only on the results to judge the person. When they look at the results, it looks like I've I've been like competitive as hell, right? Yeah. And and the thing is, I, the competition never even entered my mind. Like I've never been very competitive, even when I was a little kid. I didn't care what was going on 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 the you know school playground. Like I was off by myself digging holes, you know. <laughs> Yes, and I don't even want to say that like cliche thing where like I only competed with myself because I didn't even do that. You just literally did what you wanted. Yeah, like I've never ever looked in the mirror and said I have to beat that guy in the mirror. You know, I, I've never been that cliche. Yeah, you're fragile. I just have never com- compared like cared about competition, and that drove my parents crazy because that was competition was the only thing they understood. Um, or uh, knew how to use as a tool to get me to do what they wanted. And that's what a lot of parents are like, right? Competition is not something that you can like really argue against. It's, it's an actual thing, right? And they use that to get their kids to do something that uh, they need them to do. And it just never worked on me. Because I also grew up having an older brother and an older sister and I, I saw firsthand what, what that can do to them, right? So I never really cared about like what other kids in my school, like what schools they were getting into, what their SAT scores were, uh, what their GPA was. Because it, You literally asked me yesterday what my well, SAT… Well, was I, I offered that a, information. That was for a different reason. Yeah, I offered that information. And then you came in real hot and said, yeah. Well, guess what I got? <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah I was, know exactly what you mean. We were just joking about that. But like, 
I never really cared because uh, it, you know, why care? Like it doesn't affect me. Yeah. Um, and I just did. I just do what I feel like I need to do at the time. And if I'm going to do it anyways, I just want to be the best I can, I can be at it. Right. And um, as long as I feel like I gave my all, the results really honestly don't matter. And uh, yeah. And, and so I, I, I will never be like the guy that's getting the six championship rings. I will never be the guy who's, who's like dominating or who's, you know, or just objectively destroying everyone. Yeah. Right? Because that's just not my thing. Uh, and as I was watching, I'm, I, I realized I'm more like Dennis Rodman in a way. I, I was thinking that the whole time. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm not talking about like… You De- don't think you're Scottie Pippen? <laughs> I, I'm not talking about like Dennis Rodman's like… Whole, Eccentricity. Like everything, yeah. right? But um, I recognize more of myself in Dennis Rodman than uh, Michael Jordan. Right. Yeah. Someone uh, who is very much he's very in the moment. Yeah, and <laughs> and but he's it, like he's exceptional at what he does. Yeah. Uh, because that's just he's doing it, and he's like, I'm just gonna be, I'm just gonna do this, and then when he's done, he moves on to something else. So I, I'm just recommending this documentary to anyone uh, and everyone because there are things to learn from it and. If you're in charge of a team, uh, if you're in charge of a company, or if you're part of a team, part of a company, um, or in a relationship, um, leading a family, it really makes you think about what your core values are, right? Because you get to see, um, you get to see. Greatness and also the sacrifices that are required for that greatness. And also some of the results from greatness that may not be so desirable. And by this, what I'm trying to get at is… Um, okay, so there's this whole like debate between whether or not LeBron is the GOAT or Michael Jordan is the GOAT. Yeah. Right? Like… People who grew up watching the Bulls, you know, they've seen both Michael Jordan play and LeBron play. They've seen both eras. So they're like, youngins, shut the, shut the <laughs> up. Like, um, I've seen both eras and like, and it's definitely MJ. The feeling right? around surrounding his wins. And people who have never seen the Jordan era, um, and have seen LeBron. Because LeBron is one hell of a player. Yeah. They're like, no, LeBron's the GOAT. You know? But here's the thing. Like, when you watch this documentary, ask yourself, like, is… Who's the happier person? Right? And my answer is LeBron. LeBron clearly looks happier than Michael Jordan even after… Six championship rings. Yeah. Even after an incredibly successful fashion brand, which is Air Jordan, right? Which is, um, you know, which LeBron doesn't even have. But like, 
regardless, like if you ask me, like who's the happier person, I think LeBron. But and that's what I'm saying. Like you, like seeing Michael Jordan's like whole arc, you realize that because that's the absolute pinnacle of greatness in in your field, right? Doesn't always mean you're gonna be the happier guy or satisfied. Yeah, in any way, right? And so you, there are things to learn about that in there, and also just just uh, group dynamics, right? Like just, um, it, like any family, any team, any relationship. You know, you have these objectives in mind to to take that relationship to a better level, right? To a to a to a completely another like another stratosphere like you want to just elevate it and make it better uh but to do that um you know you have to really think about like what you're sacrificing but also what the other person is sacrificing to go along with you right and you have to think about whether or not it's worth it um and these are questions that uh that people don't think sports will deliver, but I think that's what sports is ultimately about. Yes. I don't think it's about like betting on which team is going to win. I don't think it's about the hot dogs in the stand. I don't think it's about, you know, the flashy highlight reels. Yeah, all of that matters and all of that is very entertaining. But I think at the end of the day, the reason why we have sports is to uh, constantly make us think about um, what we are striving to, striving for, and whether or not it is something we want, right? And also how human beings can come together and overcome their adversaries or like or like personal obstacles yeah and also how to deal with failure uh how to lose gracefully how to come back you know all of that is what sports should be about uh yeah, that's my. That's what I took from the documentary. I really recommend you guys. You guys see this. It's mm. just. It's just an exceptional watch. I am excited to see it. Anyways, I'm out. <laughs> okay. Bye bye. Bye. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. 
Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.